This is the Truth Podcast, where we question everything and no topic is off limits. I got it all covered. Discover the truths about topics you were never taught in school. Learn the uncomfortable and inconvenient truths about current events, geopolitics, culture, economics, and healthcare. You're now listening to the Truth Podcast. Question everything. And now your host, Richard. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Podcast. I am your host, as always, Richard. It is Monday, October 7th, 2019. It is roughly noon here in the Sacramento Valley. And we are back for part two of our podcast special, The Federal Reserve, History of Lies, Thievery, and Deceit. If you have not heard part one, I highly, highly, highly suggest that you check out our podcast from the 30th of September, part one, the Federal Reserve History of Lies, Thievery, and Deceit. Be sure to check that out because it does capture a lot about why our national debt keeps going up and up. Talks about how that much money was loaned to the United States and why. And of course, it goes into a little bit about 1773, which is also known as the second date of infamy, touches a little bit about 1694, which was the year that doomed the world economies. So definitely, definitely be sure to check out the part, uh, part one of that episode. All right, before we get into this week's topic, I do want to remind you that we do have a website, official website is the Truth podcast.net truthpodcast.net we are available on almost every major social streaming platform you can think of and that has helped us to grow over the last two weeks and coming soon we will be starting advertising with a sponsor and uh, that sponsor will be revealed next week so with that being said let's get into part two of our topic this week the federal reserve History of Lies, Thievery, and Deceit. In 1910, some of these vultures came together at the Jekyll Island Hunt Club in Jekyll Island, Georgia. What were they hunting? The biggest prize of all, the absolute and complete control of all the money in America, which means control of all of America and with it the power to make slaves of all the people. Those who attended were Senator Nelson Aldrich, which was Nelson Rockefeller's maternal grandfather, Piat Andrew, which was an economist and assistant secretary of state of the treasury, Frank Vanderlip, which was the president of the National City Bank of New York, Henry P. Norton, he was the president of Morgan's first national bank of New York, Paul Mortgord Warburg, he's a German who was a partner in the New York Banking House of Cohen, low company, and Benjamin Strong, who was an aide to J.P. Morgan. Paul Warburg was credited as the architect of the bill, which was passed by Congress and signed by traitorous Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> it was entitled the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. America once again had a central bank, but this time they had placed America under an absolute dictatorship. 
President James Garfield had insight into the situation. Quote, it must be realized that whoever controls the volume of money in any country is absolutely master of all industry commerce, unquote. The Federal Reserve was incorporated in 1914 and has been creating a completely unnecessary national debt ever since. In simple terms, the Federal Reserve creates money as debt. They create money out of thin air by nothing more than a book entry. Whenever the members of the Fed makes any loans, that debt money is our supply money. The United States went bankrupt in 1938 because of this system. It took the Fed only 25 years to bankrupt the United States. Now, can you imagine how little time it will take for these vultures to bankrupt a developing nation? I mean, the American people are paying at least $500 billion a year in interest to this phony organization. When you look at the Washington DC yellow pages, you will not find the Federal Reserve in the government section. I guarantee you that. Why? Because they are a private organization. The national debt has increased about $2 billion every single day. Have you taken a look at your money? Take a look at a dollar bill. It will say Federal Reserve note, which basically means it's an instrument of debt. There is no real money in circulation. Now let's touch on the assassination of President Kennedy and how it ties to the Federal Reserve. One of the greatest cover-ups in history was the killing of the president. Now, if you believe the mafia did it, then I have an oceanfront land in Kansas for you to buy. President Kennedy was murdered over money. Four billion dollars worth. Now you see, he had printed four billion dollars of non-interest bearing money which meant he began to chop at the profits of the vultures. Interest-free money means national debt is eliminated, and the power of the international banking element is broken. So, to prevent Kennedy from abolishing the illegal Fed, he was assassinated. Now, coincidence? As soon as the traitor President Johnson was in office, he recalled all the debt-free notes and continued our country in the same path of ruin. There, the mystery of the killing is over. Remember, follow the money. Now, let's take a look at how this kind of ties into war. Now that the Federal Reserve was firmly in place, schemes had to be constructed to get the government to borrow so a continuously growing national debt would happen. So here are some coincidences. The Federal Reserve was created in 1913, then in 1914, we had World War One. Now, right after World War One, we had a depressed economy, especially in the Weimar Republic, where two billion marks could buy a loaf of bread. In 1917, we had the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. A man named Lord Alfred Milner was a frontman and a paymaster for the Rothschilds in Petrograd during this revolution. He later headed a secret organization called the Roundtable which was dedicated to a one-world government run by wealthy financiers under socialism. Then, lo and behold, in the 1920s, we see a little-known corporal with 12 men meeting in a bar hall in Munich, while in America, the Roaring Twenties were in progress until roughly about 1929. Then the Federal Reserve withheld money from circulation so those bills could not be paid, while simultaneously, they were calling in all their loans, which caused the stock market to crash. By 1932, 
the price of stocks have plummeted by 80%. When the bankers plunged this nation into a depression on that fateful day in October, at the New York Stock Exchange was a visitor. His name was Winston Churchill, who stated after the crash of 1929, and I quote, now I know who wields the real power, unquote. The key to understanding the Great Depression is to realize that when the Federal Reserve had contracted the money supply, there was not enough money in circulation to pay the bills or to hire people or to even pay back loans. So the crash of the stock market was a symptom, but the cause was the Fed restricting the money supply. This is very important that they don't teach in our history books. This is their weapon, which is used today. When they flood the country with money, this causes inflation. Then we come into the 1930s and with the rise of Hitler. Hitler was also funded by Wall Street through the industrialist IG Farben. Now, let's test the theory of follow the money, right? Here is a little known corporal with no money meeting in a beer hall in Munich with about roughly 12 men. In a seriously depressed and defeated country, there begins to rise another military dictatorship. By 1934, the Nuremberg rallies were in place and Germany was rebuilt. In that country's economy, who had that much money to rebuild Germany into a powerful country, which marched across Europe and almost defeated Russia in the first 24 hours of Case White, which was also known as the invasion of Russia? The answer is the banksters of the United States and England. In fact, a banker named Bernard Barrich was President Roosevelt's personal advisor during World War II. Barrich had made $200 million as a result of World War II. And during World War II, the Rockefellers were selling oils to the Germans from their standard oil concern in Argentina. Weird, right? The Council on Foreign Relations was formed in 1919 in Paris, France, by a man named Colonel Edward Mandel, who was known as Woodrow Wilson's alter ego. Can you imagine that? The Council on Foreign Relations was, and still, is dedicated to a one-world rule under a new world order. In fact, every war has been planned by the CFR. Every American president since 1919 has had their cabinet filled with CFR members. Also, our traitorous presidents filled their cabinets with not only CFR members, but those of the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergers, the Yale Fraternity of the Skull and Bones, which, as you may know or may not know, George Bush was a member. These members ensure that the will of the bankers are done, even if the president is not a member of any group. After World War II was fought, another war was created, known as the Korean War, which was started, by the way, by a phone call from John Foster Dulles. Then the Vietnam War came after that. Now, during the Viennese War, the Rockefellers had metals processing plants going on in full blast to North Vietnam. The Rockefellers had the blood of thousands of Americans on their hands because of their supplying the Russians with weapons and metals. The North Vietnamese received their weapons from Russia. The only reason these rats are never indicted for treason is because since World War II, there has never been a declared war, which means if we have no official enemy, there can be no aiding the enemy, aka treason. 
Presently, we have skirmishes such as the Gulf War of the 1990, which was an experiment by the New World Order crowd to see how fast they can assemble an army in case a country does not choose to obey the dictates of the bankers' bosses. Of course, funding for the Gulf War came from borrowing money from the Fed. Whenever you hear of a limited war or some type of political destabilization, think of the money trail. Wars are started in foreign countries. Then our president goes there and gives millions of dollars of borrowed money, which normally goes into the pockets of the dictators. Nowhere in our constitution is it written that our government is to borrow money and give it away. At this point, guys, I want you to check out the Debt Clock website and uh, take a look at those numbers once you get to the website. It's called usdebtclock.org. And basically, it shows what, in real time, the national debt of the United States. And um, it's, it's pretty interesting because currently, as I'm recording this podcast, the U.S. national debt is $22.6 trillion. So what does that mean, right? Well, if you break it down by the debt per citizen, so in other words... The debt per citizen equals the U.S. debt divided by the number of United States citizens. Currently, right now, $68,637 for every man, woman, and child. That's what we owe. And if you break it down by just the tax-paying public, $183,625 is how much every taxpayer owes. Guys... The American economy has been sucked dry by the Federal Reserve System. Americans think they own property, but the truth is the entire United States has been mortgaged to the bankers. The Rothschilds and the Rockefellers became richer while the peoples of the world became poorer. The International Monetary Fund and the World Bank are also designed to loan money to developing countries with the understanding that they will never be able to repay. So with every loan that's made to a country, it becomes basically the death knell. The entire world has been plunged into a debt economy, which means 6.5 billion people are in debt to about 250 men. Can you imagine that? But keep in mind that all of their wealth is phony because it is created money without any gold banking. I really laugh when Wall Street bows down and bend uh, to our Federal Reserve Chairman, who is nothing more than a bootlicker of the international banking element, who takes his orders by phone too. So many people rejoice when the Federal Reserve has a policy meeting and no interest rate increase happens. The truth is, we should never have a Federal Reserve to begin with. They print money, loan it into circulation, and the American people are strapped with more debt. So, who are the 10 member banks of the Federal Reserve? Well, you have the Rothschild Bank of London, you have the Warburg Bank of Hamburg, the Rothschild Bank of Berlin, the Lehman Brothers of New York, Lazar Brothers of Paris, the Kuhn Loeb Bank of New York, Israel Moses Seif Bank of Italy, Goldman Sachs of New York, Warburg Bank of Amsterdam, and the Chase Manhattan Bank of New York. Now, in 1977, Kuhn Loeb and Lewin Brothers merged to create Kuhn Loeb Lehman Brothers Incorporated. 
Now, ask yourself a question. Where is the federal government of the United States listed? And how much does it get? Okay, well, I'll answer it for you. It is not listed because the Federal Reserve is private and it receives nothing. Guys, wake up. The Federal Reserve is illegal and our impotent Congress refuses to do what is right and abolish the Fed. They would rather allow us to remain in bondage forever. Democrats and Republicans are both useless entities because they are both bought and paid for by the banksters. I thank you for listening to this part two of the Federal Reserve, the history of lies, thievery, and deceit. I believe you have more information about the Federal Reserve and how it's impacted each and every one of us as United States citizens here. Next week, we will touch on a topic that continues to build about the Federal Reserve, our monetary policy, and why things are the way that they are. I will always continue to question everything. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and I will catch you right here on the Truth Podcast, where we question everything. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Bye-bye.